0: Welcome to the Healing While Black podcast, where we believe it's possible and necessary for black people to heal, thrive, and celebrate our lives in the face of injustice.
1: We'll highlight the often unheard voices and perspectives of black people on a range of topics that impact our lives. I'm Misty. And I'm Kiana.
0: And we're two black women therapists with real lives trying to heal while black and figure it all out too. Thanks for joining us. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. Welcome. This is our first official podcast,
1: and we're excited to be here. Excited to have you all tuning in. We'll often have a guest on the show, but today, to get us started, we're going to be the guests.
0: Since this is our first show, we thought it would be a good idea to give you all some background on the podcast and how it came about. We also thought we would share a little bit about who we are and what our hopes are for this podcast space.
1: So we interviewed each other a little while back and we're going to share that interview with you
0: today. I'm Misty Wilson and I'm originally from Rhode Island. Shout out to all my people's there, But right now I'm living in Silver Spring, Maryland, and I am also a therapist and I'm a mother of two wonderful boys.
1: I'm Kiana Wade. I live in Maryland. I grew up um, between Brooklyn, New York and Maryland. Um, I'm currently a therapist. I am a mother of a beautiful little boy. I'm a wife. I'm a caretaker for my mother. I'm also an overall chocolate goddess. What? And I have a sweatshirt that proves it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All All right. Okay. 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 Okay, so we are both therapists and have this commitment to healing work and supporting people and Black folks in particular, but we both had different paths that led us here. So
1: we're gonna get into the interview now and talk about what led us into the mental health field. So let's take a listen. What brought me to the helping field, I think was um, really me growing up with a, a strong mother. Growing up, I always felt like I was going to be okay. Everything was going to be okay because my mother knew that she made me feel that she embodied that I actually had a conversation with her the other day and she was telling me how she was proud of me. And, um, you know, I took the compliment and I was happy that she expressed that to me, but I had to, you know, let her know. I I didn't just get this way. I learned to be the woman I am from the woman she was and what she, what she is or the woman she is. Well, she's from Trinidad, let's, Trinidad and Tobago, let's start there. So she came to a whole new country and made a whole way, not only for herself, but for, for her family. She never settled. She came here, she had me, we moved to Brooklyn, we, you know, she made a life. It was always forward movement. We moved to Brooklyn, we lived with my aunt first, then we got our own place, and we got a little bigger place. Then you know what I mean? Like there was always forward movement. If she had to work three jobs at a time, she was doing that. Then the determination that she had in the way she raised me was it just it just let me know the possibility of what there could be. No circumstance that you are in had to be the circumstance you stayed in, is what I took from that. There was no reason to not feel like I couldn't be in control of my future. She always made me feel safe. And I and because of that, mm-hmm. I would see other people that I, that didn't seem to know that that was an option, that that was a thing. Feeling safe, feeling capable, feeling in control of your circumstance didn't seem like a reality to them. Well, I'm just like, if I can think this way and and get through certain things, then obviously anyone else can because I'm not all kinds of special. I'm just normal kind of special. So I think that lack of understanding why other people didn't un, didn't realize that that basically happiness is attainable for everybody was baffling to me so i would be the girl that um let's say i go out you go out you go to the club you go to the bathroom you see a girl in the bathroom crying Ugh. And he, I would be the girl, the, the girl that would walk up to her and be like, girl, you don't need him. You are fine. You're going to be okay. You are strong. You are beautiful. And I know they're thinking, crazy girl, leave me alone. <laughs> um, But I was always trying to speak possibility into specifically women to know that you don't have to be what people tell you you are. You know, you literally get to define what you are, who you are in this world to people. And so that was just always part of me. I was a little aggressive with it. This just my nature to kind of be a little forceful. Um and so as I got older, I got married to my husband and we had my beautiful baby boy, intelligent, intelligent kid. But uh when I had him, I had horrible postpartum depression and I wasn't really a believer in <laughs> not being capable or or what is defined as strong enough to have one little child. There's one child and I, I can't feel like, I, I don't feel like I can do this. What, what is this? I was totally caught, caught off guard. I come from a, a slew of strong women, you know, both on my mother and my father's side. So that threw me for a loop. And while I was going through this experience of postpartum depression, when I was going through that experience... I did not see many people that looked like me. So that meant the therapist didn't look like me. I joined a a support group. No one in the group looked like me. The psychiatrists didn't look like me. So it was like a really, really a um, kind of a a, a prove yourself uh, point in my life because I had to make the decision that despite my comfort level, my son didn't come into this world asking to have a mother who, has postpartum depression and won't treat it. So I was like, despite my environment, I'm going to get this done. So I entered the whole process of healing um, my postpartum depression. And I decided in that, that because I had seen no one that looked like me, I wanted to be that face for somebody else. If I could help another Black woman go through this experience and realize that it's okay to experience certain things that our culture may not deem as as normal, it's okay to not be the strong black woman. I wanted to make sure I could help someone else through that process. And so then that's when I decided to go back to school and get these degrees and a student loan debt and uh, become a therapist. I want to help my community, people in my community, people like me, um, understand that happiness is all right. Happiness is for everybody. And nobody can define that for us. No one can tell us how it should look and no one can tell us how to attain it. So I think that's, that's pretty much my journey and I'm excited to be here. I'm not done. I got a lot more to do. Um, but yeah. Wonderful.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You know, it's interesting that you talked about your mom being a major influence for you. Um, when I look back on my journey, I think my mom influenced me in some really important ways as well. I grew up in the housing projects, um, and really, you know, low income community and initially didn't realize, you know, how poor we were. Um, but you know, soon got, got that perspective. Um, you know, folks were, were living in poverty, you know, like struggling to make ends meet. I remember our family going like months, sometimes years without like a, a phone, like a working phone. You know, when I think back on that, I'm like, I don't know how we did that. Um, and I, I think about like what that experience was like, you know, I mean, we always had the roof over our head and food, you know, at the table and clothes on our back, you know, but some of those things that I think people in our society might take for granted, you know, we didn't always have access to. Um, And my mom used to tell me, you know, look around you, you know, and she would say this in her Rhode Island kind of accent. I want you to be better than me, you know. And so what she meant by that was, you know, try, try to see something different for your lives. I don't know what that is, but try to see, you know, and so I, you know, in my mind I always sort of like imagine like the image, um, of me of her kind of like lifting me up on her shoulders, you know, and there's like a a wall in front of us, but by me being on her shoulders, I can see like just beyond the wall, you know. Um, she can she okay. couldn't see it, but but she allowed I me the ability to kind of look and wonder, right, and 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 to think about what was possible, um, and so. And so for me, I think um, I think I get a little emotional thinking about her because she's not she's not with us anymore she's not with me anymore um, and she and I definitely had a trying relationship. Um, she struggled with an addiction as well, you know, but towards the end of her life, she was able to overcome that um, and when I think about you know, I ended up coming into social work, um, and deciding that I wanted to do therapy after she died, actually. Um, I thought about her own transformation, you know, and then my desire to see, you know, the folks that I grew up with have a different reality. Um, and I, and I had the sense, you know, that, that folks needed healing. You know, I, my mom, she went through therapy, you know, and she over she was able to over eventually overcome her addiction, you know, and she lived out the last few years of her life and engaged in the community. And so, you know, that was I think one thing that really inspired me is, you know, seeing her own healing and transformation process. Um, and and I think in addition to that, you know, with her helping me to like look beyond our current circumstances even though she didn't really know exactly how to direct us she didn't know to say hey go to college or go and do this or go and do that what she offered me was the ability to to vision to envision and to dream you know beyond the current circumstances that that I lived in and so I would I would imagine like the drug dealers as teachers you know what I mean and some of my friends as lawyers and, you know, things like that. So I I would start to have to like imagine my community being a different place. And then that kind of stood with me as I as I grew and developed every opportunity I, you know, that came my way. I jumped on it, you know, as an opportunity to 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 improve myself and in my community. Um, and, And so when I was in high school, I actually got the opportunity to start a a nonprofit youth leadership organization. And that kicked things off. And I kind of remained involved in the community ever since. And then I I got to, you know, do some community organizing. Um, When I got to college, I, I started to understand systems of oppression and like racism and things like that a bit better. And I started to be able to develop some language around the different struggles I faced and, you know, the folks in my community faced. And that sort of you know, increased my fire, you know, for, for really wanting to make change. Um, and as I was sort of engaged in community work, I I was noticing that, you know, some of what was missing was the healing component. You know, we're, we're working to try to change our communities and try to change these systems, but the very folks that are caught within the system are, are really struggling, you know, um, and, and so I, I knew that it was important to think about how we make change systemically, but also like how we support people to heal, you know, sort of on the individual, you know, and family level as well. And so that collection of things essentially brought me to the this field and, and, and becoming a therapist at the moment. Um, and I, I this is not the end for me either. You know, like I, I feel like I want to. Continue to, to blend, you know, healing practices with systemic change work, you know, in, in the broader work that I do, uh, moving forward. And this podcast is is one piece of that.
1: Awesome. Um, another motivator, I guess, for me entering the helping field was understanding that Black people always seem to have it harder in this world. And I think that definitely was prevalent for me in looking at my family, the Black men in my family, specifically uh, on my father's side of the family. These are the most intelligent, intelligent Black men. Book smart, street smart, but there was always just a level of unhappiness or displeasure that I felt they embodied. And I just wanted to understand it. I I, I never, as I got older, I never could understand how could a Black man in America, like live a, a, an authentic life, a fully authentic, happy life, because their mere existence, like literally, is deemed wrong from birth. So that is kind of what got me interested in the idea of psychology, trying to figure out how do you help? someone who everything they're told is wrong about them in some way by someone and they're a threat how do they live authentically how do they how does a black man walk down the street smiling without someone feeling threatened how does a black man walk down the street frowning without somebody feeling threatened how does a black man walk down the street without somebody being feeling threatened and i wanted to understand it because i knew one day i would have children (laughs) <laughs> and I wanted to give my son something I saw the men in my family did not have access to. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it started out inside. And that was something else that motivated me to wanting to understand and help people that look like me, people that look like my family, people that look like my dad, my brother, my uncles, you know, I mm. I felt I could help make a difference in that, in that
0: way. Hmm. One of the things that is a painful reality is thinking about what it must feel like for our Black boys to to experience, you know, being a threat, you know, other people seeing them as a threat, you know, and like, right, like how how they, like how that, like, influences how they have to, like, exist and navigate through the world, right, and, you know, what that creates for them, and it is... That is, I think that is a really sad um, reality, and it's something I, I really, I actually, I struggle with a lot. You know, when I think about, you know, even just like the, when we learn about like unarmed black men being murdered at the hands of the police, and you know, it, it like brings terror to my mind. You know, and I think, I, I can't imagine, like how my, how my, how our kids are feeling. You know. And as they grow up, it's like and and they come to that realization, you know, more and more, you know, you just want to coddle them and like not have to send them out into the world, you know. And of course, we can't do that at all. But yeah, it's it is it's a it's a it's a painful thing. Um, But I think I like the, the challenge of of trying to support folk, you know, black folks to have hope you know, amidst really, really tough circumstances, right? Um, and I think when we think back on just our enslaved Black people back then, you know, they their circumstances were dire. There was, you know, I could imagine, you know, living back there and feeling like this whole, like, world is this way, you know, and how, how do, you know, how could we be free? Yet folks were able to have those kinds of visions, you know, of freedom. And also
1: I think what's so important though is they were able to have those visions, but they still were able to find some kind of joy. And that to me is a Black strength more than resilience. It's our ability to find joy in the midst of the shit we've had to (laughs) deal with in our existence in this world. To me, that is what, when they say Black girl magic or all of that, I know that can <laughs> that can kind of lessen what we have to deal with. But we are some magical people, like. For real? there's strength in that, like.
0: Yeah, there's something beautiful in that. That you just, it's like, where do you find that? I love black people.
1: <laughs> I love black people too, girl.
0: Um. So how
1: how are we connected? We uh, met in graduate school. At the University of Maryland, yep. Baltimore School of Social Work. So that's a PWI, the school. We went to a predominantly white institution. And so not only that, the campus that Missy and I went to was predominantly predominantly <laughs> white. Uh, it was right. a smaller campus. Um, so, you know, the, the type of person I am, I'm walking in there looking for the black people. You know, I'm walking in there counting <laughs> how, um, how many people around um, Absolutely. so you know i just like to be aware of my <laughs> surroundings my <laughs> i do the same thing i think it's like looking for fire uh for exit signs right you know, fire it, fire in, in many ways <laughs> it's a safety thing right absolutely absolutely or so so you would hope mm. um and i saw misty I was like, "Oh, look, a black girl! Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that was my
0: initial initial reaction. Like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not
1: alone." I think it was wait, maybe three three black
0: girls in that I class. I think there were three of us in the class because I mean, I remember, yeah, it was you and another sister and and, and me. And I, I think we probably all scoped each other out at the same time. You Absolutely. Know? Like, um, <laughs> and I think in that in that first class, I think we both, all three of us, sort of made our voice. Clear in some kind of way, and I think it made it easier right. to also like be like, okay, I got, I definitely got to connect with her. It so, seemed know. like
1: a little more than just skin folk. It seemed like we could be kin folk. Right. Know what I mean, it was like, okay, yeah. she's speaking <laughs> the same kind of thing I'm speaking. Yes. She yeah. might be my people. Yeah. it's so funny because before then, I would go to my therapist and I'd be like, I would talk to her about finding like minds, and she would say, you, you're gonna find your people. And um, I was so happy to find out that she, she was right. I think I found my people when I started that program
0: mm, and Misty awesome. being one of them. Yay. Absolutely. And I feel the same way. Um, I remember, you know, I think soon after that first class, we connected. And that's when we really got to kind of hear each other's stories. And, you know, we talked, you know. And um, I remember feeling like having this like giddiness kind of inside. And I remember telling one of my friends, I was like, I think I found my like my work soulmate. <laughs> right, it was- um, And that was that was pretty cool um, to to think of you in that way, you know, like somebody that I can that I can rock with in that way. Yeah. We were of a similar thought
1: process. Absolutely. You know, so it was like, okay, finally somebody who gets it and I don't yes. have to break it, break it down. That, yes. that can get exhausting. Right. It's like when you see the the term people use unapologetically black. Like mm-hmm. like I'm very I very much self so describe myself as that or blackity black, <laughs> <things> black, whatever. <laughs> And and it, that's what it felt like. It felt like, you felt like someone I could have a conversation with and not have to explain why it has to be about Black people, you know, and just Black people. Because you understood, you know, or you understand the structure and the environment and the society that we've grown up and, and how that has impacted uh, our culture as Black Americans. Um, so that, yeah, that I think was was our sparked our connection
0: yes yeah and i i agree and it was nice to to be in touch with somebody that was also like had that same kind of dedication that same kind of perspective so what do we believe are the issues facing black people
1: and see now this is the question that i feel like could be
0: that is ever changing on, on some level the, the 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 problems change but on a whole nother level i mean in my mind i'm like they're they're the i mean you know like i think we're in a moment right where you know racial injustice and systemic racism are being talked about kind of on a national and global level right and that's a whole new thing for us but the reality is that stuff has been present for as long as we've lived right when a black man person gets stopped
1: We get stopped by the cops. It's the same exact feeling that they have in 2020. Same exact feeling. But no, this isn't new for nobody. It's
0: not new. And it's, you know, it's even older than, you know, than that, right? It's like, we know that the current, you know, policing system that we have in place now really stems from the slave patrols, right? You know, that, that came about to, you know, recapture runaway enslaved black people right and more and
1: and, and in addition to that because they're there that is definitely one of the reasons they were created but it was you were considered crazy if you were trying to escape from slavery like crazy because i i wanted my whole ass freedom exactly exactly I want us to literally be able to do what any other person is able to do like I would have been considered crazy well I know well today I'm considered insane so I know back then I definitely would have been considered crazy (laughs) but come on now like and so like if we want to talk about the issues that black people face living is an issue we face because people want to tell us how we should do it and that is that is the the issue in itself their inability to see humanity in all black women
0: men trans gay black bi- like everything that comes yeah. black since we've entered this country black folks have not been treated as human beings right and throughout you know our time here we've had to fight you know and even now to be to be seen and heard and to just live and feel free and be free right and so i think as you're saying like any of the issues that we're facing really kind of fall under that you know is you know our ability to to exercise you know our rights as human beings you know in this in this country
1: because of that i think for a lot of black people the way in which we can exist in this world is a very narrow view hmm. so we're yes. thinking in order and this is a very general statement you know To be happy, I have to have what white people have, Mm -hmm. I gotta, and it has to look the way it looks for them. And that then defines what is happy. Or if I want to be healthy, I have to do, you know, go by a certain standard that wasn't even created with me in mind in -hmm. order to be considered healthy. For right. example, like a BMI or, or whatever the case may be, you know, but I have to get in order for me to be considered healthy by society standards, I have to fit into that when it may not necessarily be what truly means I'm healthy or, um, you know, in the way I have to heal mm-hmm. mentally must, must be in a way that was constructed by white men for white people, you know, mm-hmm. and if I can't, if that doesn't work for me, then that means I have a problem. No, like, right. we can achieve a level of happiness and freedom as defined by us. What is this whole idea of healing about and why is it important to heal as black people?
0: I I think um, black folks, like we've been in many ways, like kind of conditioned to just like go through a whole lot of stuff and just like get over it and just like kind of move on, right? And, you know, we, we take with us all the pain You know, with that, you know, as we're trying to move forward and sometimes like that pain ultimately, I think, holds us back, you know, and and I think it's helpful to for us to sometimes look at that pain and identify it, you know, for what it is so that it's not holding us back anymore. And so I I think, you know, we thrive when we're in the healing process. Right, you hear a lot of times black
1: people are so resilient. Yeah, resilient, so resilient we mm-hmm. have choice. So to be resilient. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like uh, but being resilient doesn't necessarily bring about healing. I can bounce back. I mean it bounced back, but that backpack I got on now with all them bricks in it is heavy as I'm on this new resilient walk, you know? So to heal, could you imagine the power of being of being resilient and having the ability to be healed from what you had to be resilient about, like that to me is is the ultimate uh, manifestation
0: of freedom. Let me ask you a question. as As a black woman, or just as you, Kiana, what do you feel like is something that you have healed from or that you have sort of been healing from that has helped you to feel better? because of it or made you better because of it
1: so for me as a black woman growing up or not even growing up existing as a black woman that has always had a sense of self-awareness and when i say always obviously not always but a significant part of of my life i've been pretty much not afraid to voice that self-awareness you know i Described as opinionated, I'm described as um, aggressive. I'm, you know, anything in that way that society yeah. kind of looks down as a negative when it comes to black women. When I was younger, I always felt the need to let you know that I didn't care what you thought mm. about <laughs> my ability to be myself. I was going to let yeah. you know. Not only was I going to be myself, I'm gonna let you know I'm gonna be myself, and you're and I'm gonna let you know I'm I know you know you're gonna have to figure that out. But as I've gotten older, I've, I would phrase it as I've healed from the need to let you know what I know. I don't care what you think. You know, I know that doesn't, that's not my burden anymore. And w- in releasing that it has literally, there's a level of angst in my mm. life that doesn't exist anymore because I don't care what you think yeah. you know, in a way that I am. I don't even need to convince you of what I think because mm. that's not my business. That's your journey. That's not my business. I'm not here to get you to understand my life. I'm here to live my life. So that's right. I'm okay with people thinking whatever they need to think about me. I, that was something that I had to heal from. And I didn't realize I was healing from it until I was healed from it. And then I was like, Oh yes, this
0: girl, yes, this is it. This feels good. (laughs) I like that, that you didn't like realize Right. You're like, I I didn't even realize it until it actually just wasn't an issue. Right.
1: It's a very freeing, freeing way to exist now. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that has been sort of part of of my own like kind of healing space and journey is coming to just accept myself as I am. And I think for such a long time in my life, I felt like. I've had to do things that were pleasing to the people around me, you know, or I've had to do things to sort of like fit in. I mean, not necessarily fit in. I I don't think I was ever the kind of person that would just sort of follow, you know, um, things and had a need to quite fit in. But um, I, I think I felt like I needed to, I mean, some of it was I think associated with survival, but I, I, I think, me coming to a place where I'm able to just kind of look at myself and like accept all pieces of me and, and love myself, you know, it's kind of, you know, I think I probably wouldn't have uttered those words before, you know, the, you know, admitting that I don't feel like I, I fully loved myself, you know, but I, but I think I definitely struggled with that, you know, um, I think, you know, growing up and, You know, and and I think so. a lot of that is associated with being, you know, a black girl in a world where I don't think I I felt worthy enough or that I could be loved and, you know, all of that. And I think, you know, I'm getting to a place where I'm like, yo, you're like, you're dope. You can love you. (laughs) And that's beautiful and amazing. Right. You know what I mean? Like where I'm able I'm like starting to rely more on my own um so instead of like sort of needing acceptance from the people around me or whatever that um you know me working on accepting myself and then allowing that to direct how how people treat me essentially you know um but yeah it's it's been a journey and i can't say that i'm fully you know healed and i you know i agree with what you said before that you know we 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 heal when we die probably you know um but that's been that that journey has been a a pretty beautiful one for me it's been a really hard one arduous for sure but um i'm i feel like i'm starting to see the fruits of it you know and it feels really it feels good so let's talk about our hopes for this podcast so
1: for me i would love for black people to Embrace, accept, whatever the case may be, just do you and your blackness and be proud of it and unapologetically proud of it. It's not our job. It's no longer our job to walk around trying to not make people uncomfortable just because we exist. Right. Fully exist and embody who you are, who we are, and then let them figure out how they are going to deal with it instead of, well, I can't do this because, you know, white people gonna think or whatever the case may be. yes oh um, yeah you don't like it then you now now you get to figure out what you because i don't like you telling me what i can and cannot do or what i can and cannot be or how i can and cannot exist i don't yes. like any of that so
0: right yeah now
1: maybe we can come to a compromise but until we both compromising i don't
0: i'm not interested in changing for you that's so real until <laughs> we both compromise and absolutely yes and and i think this podcast can also you you and I having the ability to kind of share pieces of our lives and our journeys, you know, maybe might, you know, encourage someone else out there that can relate. And I, so in a way, I also see this podcast as part of my healing journey. I'll just say that. I think I didn't grow up, you know, as a Black person that was really confident and, and I did feel like I had to conform to certain standards and ways of being in order to be seen and heard and accepted, right? And so I've had this journey of, of how to come out of that, you know, um, that, I'm, that I'm still, you know, moving through. And I think being able to have that space to, to do that and process that in real, authentic ways um, is, is great and i and i know there's so many of us out there you know that have a variety of experiences and i want all of those experiences to feel like they have a place like you know they can be talked about because i think when folks see black folks they, they see us in this very monolithic kind of way, too. There's this one particular kind of Black experience and we're all, you know, expected to kind of fit into this stereotypical way of being. But the reality is that we're so incredibly diverse and we've all been have been impacted by racism in different ways, you know, and I want to I want to be able to highlight some of that. You know, and and provide a healing space for for us to to be able to grapple with those those differences.
1: I hundred percent agree. For me, the key to healing is knowledge and communication. And if this podcast can provide either and knowledge, in in the way of us discussing something that uh, a topic that people may not have thought of or thought of in a specific way in that way or knowledge in gained from us talking about our experiences or our guests talking about their experiences. Those two things I think are so imperative to change. I need to come out of this after these initial episodes a better me than I was when I, than when
0: I started. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So so it's about you, it's about us, it it's about all of us, you know, just kind of growing, healing, evolving together. Sharing information, connecting.
1: There's a uh, influencer. She also has a podcast. Um, she co hosts a podcast. The friend selling her name is Fran. And she talks mm-hmm. a lot about ecosystems, building ecosystems amongst your peers, amongst your environment, yeah, your community. To basically strengthen us as a people on a large scale. The only way we can be truly healed is if we are together. We come together, we're working together, we are sharing information, we are supporting each other, holding each other up, holding each other accountable, you know, calling out yes. each other's bullshit, you know, doing, giving each yes, other hugs, yes. loves, kiss, all the yes, sisters in the world. You know what I mean? Like all mm-hmm. of that, all of that.
0: So, at the end of each episode, we want to highlight some takeaways. Hmm. So, what Hubop takeaways do you think we can highlight from today? What the hell is a Hubop? You know, Hubop, Hubop. <laughs> HWBP, Healing Wild Black Podcast. Hubop,
1: like Hubop <laughs> from InVogue. <laughs> How about we just say Healing Wild Black Podcast takeaways and call it that? <laughs> You got me out here feeling like a, uh, what's those, the little um-bop kids? Mm, bop bop bop, bop,
0: <laughs> you, bop. No, you know all the words, too. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Okay. So some of the things I heard from today were safety and hope.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that that was a theme for both of us growing up. The idea of either needing safety or feeling safe or being hopeful to help kind of propel us in the directions that we've ended up in our lives.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Kiana, I loved hearing you talk about how your mom showed you how to move forward in life through her actions and what she did, Um, you know, coming from the Caribbean alone and paving a pathway in a whole new country. And amidst it all, she was able to give you a sense of safety in a very, very unsafe world.
1: Absolutely. And your mom sounds so dope and although she couldn't show you how to be with her words she was able to help you envision how things could be different for you. Her placing you on her shoulders helped you to see beyond the current circumstances and dream big. And those two things are so important when it comes to being black, learning how to heal and knowing the importance of healing, I think.
0: You know, this this has me thinking, you know, I think for our listeners You know, we got an opportunity to share our stories and kind of look back at our experiences and and what sort of has gotten us to this point, you know, in our journey. And so I'd like to invite our listeners to to do the same, you know, when, if you would like to, and if you, when you have a moment, you know, look back on your life, think about what were those key things in your journey that, that got you through, think about how it is that got you to where you are now.
1: And... You can, and And for the listeners to think about maybe what do they still need mm. in regards to hope and safety, healing? What else, what do you think can help you get closer to the person, the person you want to be?
0: I love that. So share your comments, send us an email, send us a message on Instagram, and let us know your thoughts. Alright. That's all for now, y'all. Let us know what you think about this episode. Follow us on Instagram at HWB Podcast. You can also email us at healingwhileblackpodcast at gmail.com.
1: We also would like to thank Julian Smith, co-host
0: of the Black Light Podcast. Make sure you check it out. And Doreen Wang, storyteller and podcaster, for their podcast insight. We would also like to thank Crystal Vail from EYE Imagery for her wonderful
1: photography.
0: Thanks for joining us. Bye.